on LifeGate Outreach TV, I want you to know that the Lord is reaching you, and if you listen to the audio messages as well, the Lord will continue to enrich you. Some of you may wonder why I say this every Sunday. We have almost 400 people that are subscribed to us on LifeGate Outreach Center. <laughs> Hallelujah. And um, a lot of them you see, there are a lot of Nicodemuses in our times. <laughs> but I thank God for everyone. A lot of them send private messages to tell us how much they are being blessed by what God is doing with us here. And um, for me, whether it's a private message or it's an open message, we celebrate God anyway. Not because we are, the, we, we are privileged to be the ones saying these things or doing these things with God, but the fact that God in his own wisdom is through these days of social media, using the same tool that the devil is using to pervert in many cases and turn the minds of people away from God, God himself is using the same tools to reach out to as many that he desires. A time will come when there will be millions of people following this work across the world. And that time is very, very soon. We just need to keep on doing what we're doing. My God told me last year, he said, son, as long as you keep doing the right thing, you can never go wrong. As long as you keep doing the right thing, you can never go wrong. Doing wrong and going wrong becomes impossible when you are persistently doing the right thing. And one of the right things God will keep helping us to do in this place is to stay on the word of God and on the word of God alone the enduring, the ever-powering, the ever-true word of God. Hallelujah. Every message you will hear by the grace of God from this altar, whether it is preached by myself or any of the anointed vessels in the house to teach and to preach, will always come based on the word of God. And may the Lord continue to help us to keep that focus in the name of Jesus. I'm very excited that today we are starting a brand new sub-series because we are on our covenant season of kingdom purity as a series this month of May and June. But we have a sub-series of studying the seven churches of Revelation even as we start today. The seven churches of Revelation as received by John the Apostle are messages that are not just relevant to the seven churches per se that have physical locations even today, till today as we speak. All those towns and cities have new names and they are physically represented in the land of Turkey as we speak today. So we're going to be seeing this map till the end of June because what we'll be doing is we'll be moving from week to week and by the grace of God, looking at each of the seven letters to the seven churches. So we have Ephesus highlighted today because it is our first focus. If you can look at the map very well, to the right side of the map, there is a small dot called, uh, with a uh, naming a town called Patmos. 
This is an island that um, God spoke to his servant John the Apostle through Jesus Christ by telling him the situation of seven churches that are listed there. And this was God's message for the end time. This was after the first apostolic move towards the end of the first century. After the Holy Spirit had been poured out, churches have been planted all over the world, especially in Asia Minor and within the Roman Empire. And uh, God, Jesus Christ, met with John at this, on this island around about A.D. 60. It's a very small island, just about 32 square miles. And um, this was the time when there was extreme persecution of the church by the Roman Empire. People were banished in exile to that island and left to be on their own. In their days, it was, not, it was like um, one of the fortified, um, most fortified prisons ever called Alcatraz in America where people were banished so that they cannot. It's an island that is impossible for you to swim to shore. And um, they were removed from the world, as it were. But thank God that um, towards the end of John's life, he was given the opportunity to be released, along with some other exiles at that time, by God's divine arrangement, so that he can actually reach these churches with the letters that God had uh, spoken to him through Jesus Christ. At that time, exile was a very common type of punishment. People like Christians were regarded as being superstitious to the Romans because the Romans had their own gods, they had their own systems, and so everybody else that did not follow or anybody that was following the ways of God, believing in a Jesus Christ who had resurrected and calling him Savior and expecting his return, were regarded as being superstitious. So they were really treated very harshly. And so Jesus came to John and he sent him to these seven cities, the city of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Each one of these seven churches had a specific message. And as we go through them, we will see how relevant those messages are to us today and above all, what God expects us to learn and how God wants us to also prepare ourselves even through those messages. So today we will look at the very first letter that was written to the town or the church in the town of Ephesus. The same Ephesus that we know that Paul lived in AD 60, AD 50, AD 60, is the same one we're talking about. These were a very zealous people. They loved the Lord. We read about them in in Revelation chapter 2 in the terms of the letter that was written to them by Jesus Christ. I want to urge you, for the sake of time, we have skipped Revelations 1, but for you to get the picture of these things very clearly, I want to urge you to please go home and read the entire chapter of Revelation chapter 1 so that you can see how the encounter started with John and how Jesus spoke to him and how Jesus described what was going to happen. So, Jesus said a few things to John And uh, I want us to just make a note of those things. But before we go into what he said, one of the scriptures we read during the uh, um, scripture reading as well is from Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gave the end time prophecy or end time declaration about what was going to happen. The Bible says when he sat on the mountain, the disciples said, tell us when these things will be 
Some of the things we are hearing now that was written to Ephesus and was written to Pergamos and so on, people wanted to know, the disciples wanted to know before Jesus left. They said, tell us when those things would be. And Jesus said the coming of the end of age was not going to be something that will be hidden. He said there will be so many things, and we read them earlier on. If you read down, it talks about wars, rumors of wars. He said that there will be a lot of persecution. But what Jesus said is that we must just make sure that we take heed that no one deceives us. But if we go to verse 12, please go to verse 12, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Jesus said, these events will make lawlessness to abound. It will make many people see that it is, it is as if the world is losing control. It will make the church become a place where a lot of people may be facing even frustration in the church. And he said the love of many will grow cold. Now these are the words of Jesus himself. And if Jesus is impossible with God and Jesus to lie, it simply means truly the love of many will grow cold. There's nothing we can do about that other than to receive the grace to make sure that we don't become part of that many. And I pray that my God will grant you that grace today in the name of Jesus because it will come to pass. It is coming to pass before our very eyes. That was the letter that was written to Ephesus. He said the love of many will grow cold. A lot. Have you ever seen... Christians all over the world today have seen Christians who have stopped going to church and you meet them. In fact, when you are evangelizing to them, the way they look, they don't even look like anyone who has ever had anything to do with church. And then after you talk a little bit, they said to you, do you know what? I used to believe all that 10 years ago. And you feel like weeping. What happened? Because of the increase of lawlessness. Because in their time, they had somebody hurt them, somebody betrayed them, somebody lied. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are enough excuses for the love of anyone to wax cold. Because, you see, if you channel your love to God and you anchor it on God, the actions or inactions of man will never detach you from it. That's why Paul said, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, shall persecution, shall betrayal. Shall famine, all the things that may tend to frustrate people cannot separate us if we anchor our love on the Lord God Almighty himself. But the Bible says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. But verse 13 is a good promise. Let's read together. It says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor for me, keep enduring. That is the secret of salvation. Don't forget this salvation we are talking about is the ultimate salvation. You have been saved. You are progressively being saved. We have explained that so many times, progressive sanctification. But there is an ultimate salvation that we are all waiting for. When Jesus appears again, when we be like him and we are taken up by rapture to be with him and to rule and reign with him forever. That is the endurance that we need to keep pursuing so that we can enjoy that salvation. But the Bible says also, verse 14, that and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Everything we are seeing today will come to an end. Man is continuing to do these things 
But man must understand that even if we build, end up building structures that are 10 kilometers high, one day everything will come down. The Bible says all these things we are seeing will be burnt up. Every element will melt away. There will be no trace of it anymore. So let us understand where we channel, while those things are good and we use them, where where we continue to be creative and enjoy life with them, we must understand that our loyalty, devotion, continual heart fixing must be on God and the kingdom of God, the enduring kingdom, the mansions that Jesus is preparing for us. If you read John chapter 14 verse 1, he said he has gone to prepare those mansions for us. That is where our heart must be. And may the Lord continue to keep us in the place of focus even on the eternal salvation. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says only those that endure to the end shall be saved. This is why we must understand that once saved does does not mean permanently saved. Once saved can never ever get anyone who refused to endure to the end. Everyone who stops by the way to curse God and reject him loses their salvation. There is no two ways about it. Otherwise, the scripture will contradict itself. It says only those that endure to the end. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers who are already on the journey. Everyone who become apostate will surely, everyone who rejects God will surely reject their own salvation. You will not reject your salvation. I say you will not reject your salvation. It is not God's intention that anyone would perish. But it is still the choice of man to be saved or not. Every one of us must understand. I want us to quickly look at some key aspects of the letter. According to Revelation chapter 2, the very first verse tells us that it is a letter that was from Jesus Christ. Let's read together. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and walks in the midst of the seven golden lamb stands. So it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You can see that in Revelation chapter 1 when he met him and he said to him that I am in the midst of the seven golden lamb stands. The seven golden lamb stands represented the seven churches. The seven stars represented the angels of the churches. And um, he said he stays in their midst. We know that we know about the sevenfold manifestation of the spirit of God. The seven churches are able to stand and have light in them because the Spirit of God lightens them up. But every one of these verses we'll read, every one of these letters, he will say that if they refuse to do what he will say, he will put out their lights. In Matthew 5, 14 and 15, the Bible says we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. He said we are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We have light because the Spirit of God is in us. Amen. 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 But he said, I am the writer. So these letters are not written by John or an opinion of John about those churches, but rather they are written by Jesus Christ through John delivered to the churches. The second thing is in verse 2 and verse 3. He said, let's read them together. I know your works. Come on, read with me. Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Praise the Lord. Verse 3. He said, and you have 
persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. So Jesus affirms that this was a positive church. Among the seven, this was one that was highly commended by Jesus Christ himself. That I know you. I know that you meant to do well. I know that you were committed to serving me. I know that you, you were refusing those apostles who were teaching false doctrines. And he goes straight to verse 6. He said, and I know that you even, you even rejected the, the doctrines, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So Jesus knew that this was a church that meant business. This was a church that really wanted to do right. And I believe that the first letter was written to them because it must have hurt his heart a lot to see that their love waxed cold despite their history, despite their story. Praise the Lord. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans is explained by theologians as uh, the doctrine of a, that was put down by a man called Nicholas, who uh, at that time was trying to get believers to see that they can be Christians and yet they can eat meat offered to idols. Yet they can have a little bit of sexual immorality happening and it never took anything away from their salvation. That as long as they continue to confess the faith, it was okay to do those things by the side in moderation. It looked like an appealing message and many of the churches as we will study were buying into it. They were buying into it. We're saved. It's all right. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. It won't kill. How many of us know that that is still happening in our modern day today? It is still happening right before our eyes. Still having a little bit of this, a little bit of compromise there, a little bit of that. As long as we can always come to the Lord and say, Lord, I love you. My soul sings in your presence, carried on your wings. Because we think that those things continue to make for our spirituality. We must understand that the doctrines of the Nicolaitans had never gone away. It's still here with us. But like the Ephesian church, Jesus wants us to keep rejecting it. It is not of God, it is of the devil. And may the Lord continue to grant us grace like he granted the church at Ephesus to reject them in Jesus' name. Not only was the church at Ephesus faced with the doctrine of Nicolaitans, they also were contesting with one of the greatest goddesses in the land at that time, called Artemis. The story of Artemis you can find in Acts chapter 19. We don't have enough time to go through these things, so please note them. And if you, are, if you watch the video later, you can take down the scriptures if you can't write today. The story of Artemis, called, known by the Romans as the goddess called Diana, or the, the, the god of, goddess of fruitfulness, as they knew her, was the big goddess that they were worshipping then. As a matter of fact, they fought Paul and Silas in Acts 19 simply because they were telling them to stop making the idols to Artemis. And it was spoiling their business. And so they, they got rid, they were trying to get rid of Paul at that time because of the business that was at, attached to, to, to the great goddess Artemis, to the people. So this church was in the midst of all that idolatry, adultery, and wickedness. And yet, they were having apostles who were deceiving many other people, trying to just get people and be commercial with people. The Ephesian church, we cannot emphasize enough how strong they were. So what happened? 
And Jesus now said to them in verse 4. Let's go back to Revelations 2.4. He said, however, nevertheless, read with me. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. You have moved away from those things that defined you initially. The fervency, the times that you will say no to compromise. The time that you will pray and trust me for strength. You have left those things, yet you are still having a form of godliness, but you are now denying the power thereof. I believe very strongly that the church of Ephesus is very, very representative of most aspects of the church of today. You can see a lot of activity. You can see a lot of form. Things that look spiritual, but a lot of void of the power because there has been a waxing of uh, a, a, a waxing cold of the love of many. Many people are appearing and doing the motions and going through the things, but the fervency is not there. The zeal is dead. And this is the worst state. This state of apathy is the worst state that the devil can put a people of God. Because, you see, when a people are completely detached, they can be helped. It is obvious when you see a person who is completely backslidden and completely is detached from the things of God, you can reach out to help them. But when you see a person, it's like you are, you are swimming in a, in, a, in, a, in a, say, by a beachside, and somebody that you did not know could not swim very well is by your side. And they appear to be swimming. Meanwhile, they are drowning. You will not offer them help because they are putting motions that look like that of a good swimmer, but they are actually drowning. What you did not notice is that they are having a lot of water intake, but they are putting a form that looks like they were properly swimming. But when you see a person who is splashing and showing all signs that, look, I'm going to die here if nobody helps me, everybody swims their direction to help them. This is why the church must never re- re- accept the state of apathy that the devil is trying to put her. Jesus said, however, I have this against you. You have left your first love. The people around you may not know, but I know that you have left your first love. He said everything they were doing were no longer motivated by love. And so verse 5, Jesus calls them to repent. Verse 5, let's read together. He said, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do what? The first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now can you see that once saved is not forever saved? You got saved, he gave you the lampstand to be shining the light. He said, when you go the way of apathy, rejecting your first love, not having the communion, rejecting the things of God, even though you are putting up a show that looks like it, he said, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. Your own lampstand will not be removed. I say your lampstand will not be removed. Our lampstands will not be removed. In the name of Jesus. So the three things he asked them to do there, say with me, remember, Remember. repent, and renew. renew. Say remember, Remember. repent, Repent. and renew. renew. 
So these three things must always happen in your life every time you discover that you are being apathetic. And I want to say something about apathy. Apathy in the things of God are in degrees. And only you, as an individual, can know your state of apathy per time. Nobody must ever think. The Bible says, he that thinks he stands, let him take heed, lest he falls. Every one of us must keep, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, every one of us must keep examining ourselves. And how do you know this? Go back to your first love. Remember, how was it for you when you started the things of God? When you used to be on fire for God. When they said it was time for church. In fact, before they said it was time for church, you were there. When they called for prayer, you wanted to be there. When they called for Bible studies, you wanted to do everything you can to be there. When they said this Saturday, we're going out to evangelize, you were the first person to be there. Every time you sat next to somebody who was not saved, something just pushes you. You never ever wanted to finish that uh, encounter without giving them a little, if, if, if not everything, just at least a little bit of the love of God. That is what the fire state should always be. So I am saying to you today, friends, assess yourself. This is not to condemn you, but this is for you and I to say, Lord, where am I spiritually? Where am I in the things I used to do? Where I used to have the zeal, where I used to have the fervency, where I used to wake up and pray and pray and enjoy praying, where I used to take time to study the word of God in, in the, as an individual with my family. Some families have stopped Bible altar for various reasons. Without even knowing, apathy has sent, set in. You will, you, will, uh, uh, you will not understand if you don't take time to take stock. The busyness of this world will never stop. Many of us will say, this week we haven't got time, so everybody just shoots out. The devil said, that's fine, you haven't got time, just, just that's all right, that's all right, just, just do that. The next week again, he tells you, you know, carry on, after everything is still happening, just pray in tongues as you are going to walk. You two, you hold your steering and say, bra ba 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 bee 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 But you know, you should, could do better than that. Thank God for that, but you can do better than that. And God is saying, my children, your love is waxing cold. Every time you have that altar in your family, I'm waiting because I have an appointment with you. Every day you don't show up, you'd let me down. So you make it a desire and an object of your life to keep being the place of keeping your fire burning always. We must keep our zeal on fire for God. And may the Lord continue to help us in Jesus' name. I say, may the Lord continue to help us in Jesus' name. Why am I sharing this today and in giving you this illustration? Simply because life happens and there are natural challenges that are all over the place. There are times we travel. There are times things happen. Some work at night, some work in the daytime. There was a time, my wife and I, for, for years, we used to cross each other on the road. Our car is coming like this, my car is coming like that. For, for days on end, in a week. And we will still try a way to find, to keep these things going. By the grace of God, that's no longer the case. But for, for a substantial amount of time in this country, I'm coming, she's coming back at 7.30 in the morning. I'm heading out with some of the children. At times we exchange them on the road, whatever needs to happen. And then we'll be talking on the phone and just catching up on, on, on matters of life. But you know something? You have to, whatever it takes. At times we pray on the phone. Many times in the night we were praying on the phone. 
When she was at work and she could have a break, she would tell me her break time is 12. They'll say, okay, put on the phone now. And we begin to pray. We pray like that for one hour. When everybody else is going there to smoke and have all these things, she's there praying with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. If people have time to go and smoke, you should have time to go and pray. After all, you are not smoking. All you smoke. Eh? You don't smoke, so why? What are you doing with your time? You are sitting gossiping with those other ones that are, that, you, that you, oh, what's happening? <laughs> you should be there doing what God says you should do to keep your own fire burning. Hallelujah. Friends, let us get serious and understand that the apathy that Jesus talked about is right with us today. We must do everything we can to fight it out of our lives, and it shall be so in Jesus' name. So Jesus warns that there is impending judgment if they don't repent. That is what we read in the second part. He said, or else I will come quickly to remove your lampstand. But I like what Jesus said in verse 7. It is the hope of the church. It is your hope. It is my hope. Let's read together. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will give to it from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Hallelujah. That tree has been existing right from the time man was created. He was only prevented from eating it in his sinful state. And ever since God prevented Adam from eating it, God's master plan has been that one day, as long as we remain enduring, we will all eat of that tree. I say we will all eat of that tree. It is the tree of eternal life. It is the tree that gives us God's kind of food. It is the tree that makes us become exactly like God. I am looking forward to it. You should be looking forward to it. The Bible says it is in the midst of the paradise of God. Don't you just want to endure to the end? My God will keep you enduring. My God will keep you fervent. In the name of Jesus. You can read more about the tree of life in Revelations 21 and 22, chapters 21 and chapter 22. But 1 John 5 verse 3 tells us, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. God's commandments are not burdensome. Every time you find that the work of God and staying fervent and serving God is becoming burdensome to you, you need to ask yourself, am I operating by the spirit that is functioning in my own lampstand or have I detached from it? Have I lost my oil like we looked at the 10 virgins the other day? Have I lost the connecting point, the anointing? Can I, do I need to pray for the anointing? Many years ago, great servant of God, Benny Hinn, was saying that one day he was praying. He said, Lord, Lord, increase my anointing. I desire to increase. I desire you to increase my anointing. Oh, I desire that you increase my anointing. And that time, the anointing was operating. It was not small anointing, by the way. But then he said, Lord, this was my prayer. And he said, God, just listen to him for some time. And then he said, son, ask me to give it back to you. He said, I've long taken it away. He said he wept, he wept like a baby for hours on end and cried and said, Lord, please give me back your anointing. This is what we must understand per time. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Honestly, they are without repentance. Any gift God gives to you, you can virtually use it anytime without prayer, without meditation. I've been preaching like this by the grace of God, by the special grace of God since the year 1992. 
That's enough experience to preach anything, anyhow, anytime. Just wake the person up. He's ready to preach because experience can make you just say something. But it doesn't mean the Spirit of God is there. <laughs> it doesn't mean so. You can preach anything. You can just say, thus says the Lord. <laughs> and carry on. Because you have experience. But experience is not equal to anointing. Hallelujah. You can sing, oh Lord. <laughs> but only God knows the one that has anointing and the one that is just experience. <laughs> we can do those things. We can have the motions. We must keep asking us. I like, and I, I mean it. Only you know you. And only you know when it is him and when it is you. So when you know it is you, don't hide. It is just about you and him. Go to your room. You don't have to come out. If you, if you feel led to do so, by all means, if you think you need that help, by all means, feel free to do so. But you don't even need to tell anybody. Just go before God and kneel down and say, Lord, help me. People think I'm still spiritual. I'm not. I'm gone. Help me. Lord, you know I'm gone. Help me. People were still calling him King David, the beloved of God. The man knew he was disconnected. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew the right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O God. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me, O God. Renew the right spirit within me. Nobody knew until they read it later in the Psalms. (laughs) Nobody knew that that man was crying in the corner of his heart because they were still seeing King David, the beloved of God, the strong David, the powerful David, the David that will speak and nations will be afraid. But he knew that the wrong spirit was operating in him. After committing adultery and killing the, the, the man that, that owns the property he committed adultery with, the, the woman he committed adultery with, a wrong spirit entered him. And David knew if I continue like this, this spirit will just drive me to hell. So renew the right spirit within me. We never heard that he called any prophet. He never called any meeting to do that. He went before God to cry. The state of apathy is what you and you alone must do. That's why Paul said, let each person examine themselves to see if they are in the faith. We have a generation who is always examining other people. Always specializing in examining other people. That brother, that sister, that brother, that one, this one. You examine yourself. (laughs) Somebody say it starts with me. Hallelujah. He said his commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You will overcome. I say you will overcome. The Bible says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Hallelujah. It's not by power, nor by might, but by his spirit. You keep going in the word of God, drawing upon the spirit of the word. Your faith continues to rise. The reason why many people are falling left, right, and center, and giving up, and feeling discouraged, is because we are not walking by faith. We are walking by sight. So today, you are happy because they told you, you are a good man. Tomorrow you are sad because somebody told you you are the most wicked man. And nothing has changed about you. You are only responding to, respond, you are only responding to reports of men. When you walk by faith, you respond to the word of God. Hallelujah. 
as long as you are doing what God has called you to do, I know that there are people who look at me. I, I'm not deluded. I know there are people who look at me when I put messages every week online. And some people are saying, does this guy not have work to do? What's wrong with him? I know that there are people who, who will be saying that in their heart. There are people who will be saying, who does he even think he is? There are people who will be saying, what, what do you think you are preaching? I don't care. I'm just simply serving my God. I'm just simply honoring my God. I'm just simply, if it is only one soul per week that hears it secretly and say, Lord, I thank you for what I've heard. My marriage is restored. I thank you for what I've heard. My salvation is guaranteed. So be it, I have done my bit. When we get to heaven, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'll be looking at those other people in hell and saying to them, I told you that time, I'm on the right path. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he said he would tell some of them, why did I say, I'm not judging. He himself said, he would tell some of them, get out of here, you worker of iniquity. Those ones are workers of iniquity. Those ones that agree with the devil to keep accusing the saints who are doing what they should do. They are the workers of iniquity. We will not be part of them. In the name of Jesus. Friends, be confident. There is no one of my mates and people I work with that do not know that I am a preacher. None of them. I have to restrain myself. When I was doing one presentation last, uh, uh, Pastor Moses was there last Thursday. Do you know I nearly said praise the Lord. When they clap in, when something happened, they clap one guy like I wanted, I wanted to say, ah, praise the Lord. <laughs> I said, thank God. I didn't... <laughs> small like this, I was about to say, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> I said something, I can't remember what it was, towards the end, I said something about legacy and uh, um, um, something, uh, something about legacy, and I told them one simple loss, and everybody went pop, pop, and I said, oh, I was going to say, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I remember, this is not church, this is <laughs> the zeal of your father's house must consume you. It's as simple as that. If I am fake, I cannot be standing before you here and putting myself on social media. The people I do business with, if I cheat them and I defraud them and I do them bad, if I put message at the same time, some of them will go there and say, you man, you two, you preacher. <laughs> you two, you preacher. If you preacher, then all of us are preachers. <laughs> so you must have that one life and keep God focused. Keep him first. Make sure that you are continually keeping your fire burning. Whatever you must do, to keep yourself on edge, in quote, for God. Keep doing it. It is the law of the devil to tell you, play it cool. Don't do too much. Ah, don't do too much. Just do little. You know, this life, you can easily make mistake. And when you make mistake and everybody knows you, you'll be in trouble. Tell the devil, I'm not going to make mistake. By the grace of God, I'll keep serving God. Don't stop. Tell your neighbor for me, don't hold back. Keep the fire burning. Go back to your first love. You need to come back. Every one of us, when we started the journey, we wanted to do the things of God. Spiritual apathy, coldness, indifference, it can affect anyone, even the most serious Christian can easily be hit by them. We must not allow our emotions because they are fickle. Your emotions can be high today, low tomorrow. You can hear bad report or report that is not palatable or enjoyable today or tomorrow. Don't let those things determine how you respond spiritually. My God will keep you on fire for him in the name of Jesus. So the first thing, very quickly, I'll tell you two things that you must keep doing to overcome spiritual apathy. First, recognize and deal with personal sin. Many times... Apathy sets in when we find that there is a persistent sin. And what the devil tells us is that 
it is impossible for us to overcome it. And so, instead of asking for help from God, what we do naturally is we want to do like Adam and Eve. We go and hide. We go and hide. Because we think we have done something that God has said we should not do. And we, can, we seem not to be able to overcome it. So, instead of coming out to say, when the Lord said, Adam, where are you? Instead of saying, I hid myself. He should have just said, here I am. And simply presented himself. And get a covering Immediately, instead of wasting time on covering himself with leaves. When you keep doing that, you are covering yourself with things that do not help you. Leaves will decay. Leaves have no covenant. There is nothing they can do. They only hide something that looks like a hiding of nakedness, but they have no redemption power in them. Only the blood. You present yourself to the blood. You say, the blood of Jesus avails for me. I reject every trace of life and sin that is trying to make me apathetic. Make me reject the things of God or the people of God. Friends, the devil easily accuses you among brethren when he finds a lot of his property in your domain. He makes you feel worthless. He makes you feel that you do not qualify to be among the saints of God. You are given a responsibility to do for God. You are not confidently able to embrace it. I want you to know today that that shackle of the enemy over your life will surely be broken. You will serve God fervently. You will serve God jealously. You will serve God zealously in the name of Jesus. We must deal with sin like David did in Psalm 51 as I've told you. And then finally, let us continue to reject the replacement of the true love for the Lord. Activity can never replace our love for God. Activity is a, is a proof of our love for God, but the proof of something never really replaces the real thing. The proof that you have something wrong in your body is pain. The pain does not necessarily remain, the, the, the pain does not necessarily re, replace the real source of it, but it, it's a proof of it. So we serve God as a proof, but don't let the proof become the object. Don't let the act, keep checking your love, keep checking your love life for God. When we counsel couples who are struggling in their marriage, one of the first things you ask them is, how was it when you started? And they say every, almost every time you hear the same thing, it was good. It was beautiful. We always wanted to f- see each other. We always wanted to talk. We always wanted, but then something happened. Then you tell them, now, stop there. Go back to how it used to be. What were you doing then? And they said, we were open. We loved each other, blah, blah, blah. That is exactly what we do in the spirit. We go back to how it was then. We wanted to read scripture. We wanted to be in church. We wanted to do the things of God. And so, fervency was easy. Let us go back to that place. The devil will not take you away. I said the devil will not take any one of us away. In the name of Jesus. I want us to take these words today. And to believe God. That as Jesus gave the assurance to the church at Ephesus. That as long as they continue to endure to the end. They will partake of the tree of life. I want you and I to believe that we will be partakers of the tree of life. In the name of Jesus. The grace to endure. My God will put it upon you afresh. In the name of Jesus, rise to your feet and let us pray together.